There was like two separate instances, I think, where something like that happened. One fell in the light fixture, and the other fell in the butter. What happened with those two things? I know this is kind of off subject a little bit, but I just have to know, and I want it for the record. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so what What was the case with that? Like, Welcome to the ET Podcast. As you guys can see, Eric is not here, but in honor of him not being here, just remembering him, he didn't die, but <laughs> just to remember him, we're going to go ahead and start it off with, you know it, and I'm Trey. I mean, every day. And as you can see, we have a special uh, podcast guest, special guest on the podcast. Um, for some reason, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know why. Um, I talk to this guy all the time and yeah, so <laughs> I don't know, but we have Pastor Kent joining, uh, joining us today. See, so look at me fumbling over my words. So we got Pastor Kent, who is a renowned missionary, traveled all over the world, preaching the gospel to everybody, every, every living creature, you know, <laughs> I saw him preaching to some fish the other day at a pond. Um, I mean, he won't ho hold the word back from anybody. So they're, anyway. they're all floating belly up now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I've wanted Pastor Kent on the podcast for quite some time now. Um, we tried to before, but, um, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And, uh, today we finally got him, even though Eric isn't here. So Whatever. I mean, things, circumstances cannot always be perfect, you know. It's so true. you got to make do with what you got. So anyway, like I said, Pastor Kent joining us. And I thought it would just be fun just for you to, like, share, you know, some of the experiences you've had in on the missions field and, you know, in other continents. Like, I know you've talked about eating some weird food and just, like, the miracles and stuff that you've uh, scene and just like you, you just have so many different stories <laughs> and things that you can share with people. And so I just wanted to, you know, have that on a platform and what better platform than our podcast. So, <laughs> um, so starting off, um, actually we're in a prayer group too. Pastor Kent leaves the prayer group. And the other day he was telling us about his kneecap that he blew out. <laughs> and so like, and so, um, I guess we'll just kind of start there. We'll just kind of jump around everywhere. So what was some of the things that you saw on those particular missions trips? Because your knee your knee was blew out for, what, two missions trips? It was, uh, yeah, for probably a month and a half to two months. Yeah, okay. And you went to, what was the first trip? First trip was into Russia. Into Russia, mm -hmm. okay. Could you talk a little bit about that particular trip? Sure, sure. Well, I was... First of all, I was playing basketball with my son, and he's actually a good basketball player. Yeah. And I'm not. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten injured. But yeah. um, during the course of, of uh, playing basketball, scrimmaging and stuff, mm -hmm. um, I, I blew out my right knee. Yeah. And um, 
I knew it was bad as soon as it happened because the pain was just like someone was taking a knife and running it Ugh. under the kneecap, yeah. kind of grinding it. Um, yeah. And immediately um, it went from numb to extreme pain mm-hmm. and, and like a throbbing kind yeah. of experience. I knew it was Jeez. starting to swell up. And, yeah. um, oh, and I remember that, that night after that happened, um, I was supposed to drive to Wilmer, Minnesota, to for a, a meeting he was having with the church Jeez. out there, and he wanted me to, to drive him out there so that he could prepare for the meeting. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in anticipating of you know the the two hour drive out there, I I took some ibuprofen and yeah, yeah. things like that, hoping that that would help the pain. Yeah, but it, it really didn't. Yeah. Um, so by the time I got home, I was really in rough shape. Yeah. Um, now it, that was like three or four days prior to the departure for the trip to Russia. Mm. Uh, so there wasn't really any time to get into the doctor's office and get um, an MRI done or anything like that. Jeez. Um, so I did my best at trying to keep down the swelling with, uh, packing frozen, frozen peas, peas, bags of frozen peas yeah. around my knee, oh. um, ibuprofen, mm. um, elevating it at night when I went to bed to try to, to just keep the swelling down mm-hmm. and the pain and the, the pain manageable. Yeah. Um, but all along I was, I was speaking scripture mm-hmm. over myself. Uh, my wife laid hands on me. Some of the people on staff laid hands on me yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, we did everything we knew to do, but right. nothing seemed to work. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm sure that probably bears witness with some other people. Yeah. It might be listening. For sure. Um, so we got to Russia, mm-hmm. and um, we were out a lot every day um, on the streets, ministering and doing different things. The The pastor there had set up a lot of different opportunities, mm-hmm. and um, I just kind of gritted my teeth and <laughs> went along with everything that was taking place and um, continued to try to keep the swelling down and the pain level down, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't work. So after that trip, I had returned home, and I was about... Uh, two to three weeks from departure to go down to Ecuador. Yeah. And I knew that that would be a rough trip because we were going to be um, riding horses and... The um, absolute <laughs> worst time to have something so significant happen to you. Absolutely. <laughs> the worst time. Jeez. Um, so I was, I was looking forward to the trip, but I wasn't looking forward to taking the trip mm-hmm. knowing that we were going to be doing a lot of hiking up in the Andes. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I continued to do everything I knew to do. And um, several days before we left to go to Ecuador, um, I was supposed to have breakfast with one of the guys in the church. And mm-hmm. we were supposed to meet in, at Perkins and Osseo and have breakfast and talk about things. And um, I was trying to get as much sleep as possible yeah. as well and keep my leg <laughs> elevated. But long story short, nothing that I did seemed to work, and it was it was really frustrating uh, because you kind of think of yourself as the Lord's servant, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working for the church. Right, I've been right. serving the Lord for a number of years, and yep. gee, shouldn't I be at least able to uh, to get myself healed by prayer and yeah. using my own faith? But nothing seemed to work, and. Uh, Finally got to Perkins, and uh, the guy ended up standing me up. He he just didn't show up. And 
that really upset me because I could have slept in for another couple of hours mm. and gotten more rest. But long story short, um, just before I left to go to Ecuador, um, the Lord healed me. Mm. And I had come to the point I was beating my fists on the steering wheel as I'm driving down the road <laughs> and just explaining to God, I just don't understand this. Right. Here I am, a child of God. I've seen you do all these healings and miracles right. around the world. Right, it's nothing to them. Why, yeah. why is this thing dragging on like this? Yeah. And as a child of God, it's my birthright to walk in divine mm -hmm. health. I shouldn't have to go through right. this. Right. And so between pounding on the steering wheel and saying some things I probably shouldn't have said, <laughs> um, I pulled up into the driveway to get out of the car opened the door, and when I stepped down and touched the driveway, mm -hmm. jumped onto the driveway, immediately I realized there's no pain. Just like that. So it, it happened between me beating on the steering wheel and saying some things I shouldn't have said, and I still don't understand in the natural why it would happen that right. way. But right. there was, um, through that experience, it also changed my perspective about some things. He opened my eyes to see some things. Mm -hmm. And that is sometimes we can have things going on in our own life that seem to be so big that we take our eyes off the simple things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And God is the one that should be magnified in our life, not mm -hmm. the things that we're going through. Right. And so I made that attitude adjustment and went on the trip to Ecuador had a wonderful time. We saw lots and lots of um, exciting things happen. God moved in people's lives. Can, and can you talk people. about some of those, some of those things? That yeah, you um, it's every everywhere you go, you see different kinds of miracles because mm -hmm. there's different kinds of needs that the people have. Yeah, and so He responds to their need, not so much to what you pray necessarily, yeah. because going into a place. Oftentimes, you don't really know what the people need. Right. And so, to me, I when it talks about how, you know, when we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. and um, when we take the step of obedience and, and step out on the mission field, He not only anoints us and equips us with the gifts of the Spirit, but there's an empowerment there that you don't control. He's the one that controls. Right. And so right. even at times when you don't feel anointed, that's generally when you experience the greatest anointings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it's kind of a it kind of messes with your mind because you think you need to do things to prepare yourself. Right. But there's nothing in the natural you can do to really prepare yourself right. other than just be obedient. Yeah. And just take steps of faith. Yeah. And so some of the things that happen, um, one that I was sharing with you the other day in, mm -hmm. our, in our prayer group about um, we were on a, a trip to China, yep. and um, we went to uh, what would be in America like a nursing home. Mm -hmm. uh, this was out in the country um, in a rural area um, because, naturally speaking, the authorities wouldn't allow that to function like that. Um, they have no health care in China. There's no social programs to take care of the elderly. Basically, what happens is people just keep uh, their parents or grandparents in their own homes, mm -hmm. and 
at some point they die. Um, so there's no real effort on the part of the Chinese government to take care of their and, own people. And that's just because that they have such a giant population, and so it's just kind of like survival of the fittest, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it's really true, and it's sad. That's, it really but is. But they suffer these miserable yeah. deaths because they have no no opportunity to get any kind of medical care at all. Right. So in this place that we went, um, there's a doctor who was a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, she's born again, spirit-filled. And she became a Christian um, when God healed her of cancer, <laughs> supernaturally. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so she began to help people. She would have them come to her home, and initially there was one or two, then three or four, and eventually she outgrew her house. Wow. She got rid of the house, moved out into the country where she could buy some land mm -hmm. and put up a, a facility that would be big enough to, to handle Lots and lots of people. So wow. last time we were there, there was probably over 100 that Jeez. she was taking care of, um, even though she didn't have money, yeah. she didn't have finances, because there's no, re no retirement. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, every day she's believing God for the finances to, to provide food and clothing and all these things. Mm -hmm. Every day there's trucks that just show up from unexpected places. Wow. Um, and they bring her things to help meet the needs of the people. But mm. um, once they get in there, she begins to talk to them about healing, mm -hmm. um, spiritual healing as well as physical healing. And so she begins teaching them the Word of God. They oftentimes pray together, and many of the people are, are healed on a regular basis. And so the day that we went, she took us to a room where there were three people um, that had just been there a short time. Yeah. So they hadn't really had a, a great opportunity to sit under the Word and, mm -hmm. and developing faith. And so she asked if we would go in and lay hands on them and pray for them. And, of course, we said, sure, that's why we're here. Yeah. And so yeah. in that room, there was a lady that was uh, legally blind, although she wore glasses with very thick lenses. Yeah, yeah. Um, made her eyeballs look like... <laughs> <laughs> like it's they like were a, fish a, eye. a lot bigger than they really were. <laughs> they were like magnifiers. Good lord! Um, and the other lady that was on uh, had her bed along the back wall. She was totally deaf. Mm. And so, uh, the first lady that we started to pray for, several of the team members just kind of knelt down mm -hmm. and laid hands on her and began to pray. And what she needed healing for is that she had been part of a house church meeting. And the authorities came and arrested all of them. Wow. And when they took them to, to jail, um, they took each one of them and began to use clubs to break all the bones in their feet. Um, and we see reference to that in, in the book of Acts with yeah. the Apostle Paul, yeah. how when they arrested him, they beat him with rods. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in China, they make sure that they break as many bones in the feet as they can, and then they yeah. begin working their way up the legs. So you can't walk, oh. you can't get around, you know. Yeah, I think it would be so painful to put any kind of weight on yeah. your feet. Yeah. And that's, of course, that's their purpose, is yeah. to make sure that the people don't go to other house church meetings right. and continue to spread the gospel. Um, so the team began to pray for her, and within a couple of minutes, we began to hear 
<laughs> these sounds that were just excruciating. Oof. I mean, it almost sickened you to hear mm -hmm. uh, bones be like they were being rebroken and set. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time uh, we would hear the snapping and the popping of these bones, uh, we noticed that she would be jerking like mm -hmm. this, although it wasn't jerking in pain, yeah. it was jerking because everything was being straightened right. and mended. Um, and so when all of that stopped after three or four minutes, she drops her crutches and lifts her hands and begins to praise God. Wow. She's totally healed. Yeah. Um, and while that's happening, the lady that was blind is healed and the mm -hmm. lady that was deaf was healed. And so when you see things like that happening, you realize a lot of times I think God, God brings you into places so that you can witness his power. Right. right. You know, even though he says he's going to send us to be witnesses in all the world, on one hand, I do think that that means that we are to, to share the gospel and be witnesses of the truth. Mm -hmm. But we're also... But we're also to observe yep. the power yep. of God in demonstration because yep. these kind of things that happen change your life forever. You, oh, yeah. you never forget them. Yeah. yeah. Oftentimes I'll wake up at night and just remember, start remembering some of the things that that God has done. And it really has very little to do with me mm -hmm. other than the fact that he prompts me to go into different places. Yeah. I know that he'll use me, but I don't know how. Right. So I have no way of knowing how to prepare. <laughs> yeah. You just go. You just the not conductor, conduit. I think a that's conduit. The, yeah, conduit. Yeah. yeah. You're just the vessel, the the middleman, basically. And so yeah, I, I think about that all the time, how it's just like I've I've heard all these different stories, these examples of miracles and signs and wonders and all this power. I'm just like, we're just people and God just thought that highly of us to use us. <laughs> he's just like, hey, you got this. Like, I'll, I'll just, well, not you got this, but yeah. he's like, I'll lend my power through you or yeah. whatever, you know. And I think it's amazing um, that he, he even thinks about doing that uh, that to us or for us or through us or whatever. Right. Um, it's fascinating to me, you know, like, because I've, I've heard so many different stories. Um I think Pastor shared a story one time where he was talking about this. It was it was something. Well, it it seems minor or whatever, mm -hmm. but like the person had like a cavity or like a filling and some or something, and he prayed for them, and like the cavity or not the cavity, but the tooth or whatever, like the the silver tooth or mm -hmm. filling crown, yeah. whatever, yeah, fell out, and the person had a brand new tooth. It's like little things like that. It's just like it. It is amazing to yeah. me. And you know, and you were telling that story the other day about that uh, couple. They had the kid that had the inoperable brain tumor. Yeah, like that is just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, like the fact that that God was just like, all right, I'm not going to do it. You know, just the, you know, <laughs> do it like that. I'm going to find somebody. So then that way. That research and all of that can go to it can benefit other people who yeah. may have the same inoperable brain right. tumor or whatever, right. and that way you'll just have this whole, you know, medical 
uh, field or whatever that opens up or whatever. Right. And so little stuff like that. Well, not little. Let me not say that. But stuff like that. Yeah. That just, I mean, God just, the way he works is just so mysterious. Yeah. And when, <laughs> like the you, Bible when, says. Yeah, when you get over into creative <laughs> miracles, that's, that's the stuff that really is mm. mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. You see it, and you still can't believe it. Right. I mean, seriously, it's right. it's out there in a realm that's um, the the things that we think are so major mm-hmm. are really simple to God. Right. Um, I I was just when you said that about the the brain tumor, it reminded me of a boy in Peru mm-hmm. that uh, down in um, Aquitos, Peru. It's a village. Mm-hmm. 500,000 people in a village along the Amazon River. Um, but we had um, traveled into Aquitos, checked into the hotel. Mm-hmm. We had a big team, 20-some people. And so we were all excited to get out on the streets and start ministering to people. And so the first thing we did is we gathered the whole team together. We're standing, holding hands out on the sidewalk yeah. in a big circle, and we just start praying, uh, just trusting that God's going to use us, praying that uh, we'll have exactly the words given to us by God that we need to speak to the people mm-hmm. so that they'd open their heart to the word and um, possibly um, have have something that's going on in their, their life that God would manifest himself in some way to take care of the situation, yeah. to prove to them that he's real. Yeah. And so, you know, as the, the group began to disperse, there were probably seven or eight of us that stayed right there for just a few more minutes as the other uh, people kind of grouped together and, and just took off in different directions. Yeah. And so we were supposed to come back a couple of hours later and meet in front of the hotel. Well, I was in that remaining group of seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I see this young boy come walking across the street, and my my gut feeling is that he was going to try to pickpocket us. Mm. It, something just didn't seem right about yeah. him. Like his motive was not right yeah, in approaching yeah. us. And I knew that he, you know, he probably was curious because here we are Americans and we're obviously out of place. Right. We don't look like anybody else that's there. Right. But as he came over, um, I noticed that the expression on his face was really unusual. And as he got closer, I realized there was an eyeball that was missing. Mm. Um, I mean, it was completely gone from the socket, and you could, see the, you could see in through the hole in the front of his face. Oh, my gosh. There was no eyeball. Yeah. And so one of the guys in the, the smaller part of the group, he said, hey, let's, let's pray for him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's pray that God would, would heal him and restore his eyesight. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that means he's going to have to replace the eyeball. There's nothing there. Right, yeah. So it's got to yeah. be a creative miracle. Creative miracle, yeah. Not just healing something that isn't working right, right but actually putting something in that wasn't there. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and that's that's like a whole new level there. And so we gather around him, and we put our hands on him and begin to pray, and we're, you know... Praying all kinds of things. Most of them are praying in tongues because they didn't know what to what to pray. Yeah, I mean, what would <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you what just draw you? a total blank. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we did what we we felt we needed to do. Yeah, and it seemed like 
you know, there was some power that was being released, but all of a sudden he screamed, covered his face, and bolted away. He ran down the street and around the corner. And we look at each other like, what, what just happened here? Right. You know, I hope we didn't scare him away by all the, <laughs> you know, the barking and growling, whatever it sounded like. Um, so we just dispersed like the other teams and we just started moving on down the street to, to witness to people in shops and things mm-hmm. like that. And about an hour later, he comes back and he finds us. And he looks and points at his eye. And I couldn't believe it when he showed me. It's, there was an eyeball in the socket. And he could see perfectly. And I'm thinking, now I wonder if that's glass. I wonder if it's a glass. <laughs> Me and my great faith. My gosh. Um, but it was it was a real eyeball. And wow. it was functioning perfectly. And so we grabbed him and took him along with us and told the rest of the team what had happened. And so he, he was going into some of these shops where the people knew him. Yeah, the people yeah. that were owners of yep. those shops knew him. Yep. They knew that he was... He was like a little criminal. He would steal. He would sh- he would shoplift yeah. in those stores. Jeez. So they knew that he was blind in one eye. He had he had no eye. So when he comes in and explains to them that God put an eye in the eye socket, people freaked out. Just yeah. freaked out. Rightfully so. But their hearts, you could see their hearts softened and some began to weep and they wanted to receive Christ. Wow. And so here's a perfect opportunity. Wow. Not only did the shop owners, but then people that were shopping mm. in those shops came over and Jeez. wanted to know God in a personal way. So wow. a lot of times those miracles and healings be- become, like Brother Hagen said, they become like the dinner bell. Mm-hmm. It beckons people to come, draws mm-hmm. their attention to you, Yeah, um, not to exalt you as an individual, but to demonstrate to them that God's real. Yeah, yeah. Now I <laughs> I want to I want to kind of change gears here because this is just something that I've been wanting to ask you for a while. Mm-hmm. Now we had your your old assistants on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. They told a story one time about, or maybe it was Denise. I'm not sure. One of them told a story about how you guys went. It was somewhere in Africa or something like that. And there was something that fell into the butter when you guys were eating at a restaurant. And it was like crawling around and like screaming or something like that. I don't know. There was like two separate instances, I think, where something like that happened. One fell in the light fixture and the other fell in the butter. What happened with those two things? I know this is kind of off subject a little bit, but I just have to know. And I want it for the record. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so... What was the case with that? Like, well, actually, both things happened the same night. Okay, okay, and, yeah, and and we had we had been working very hard, uh, long days, putting in long yeah. days on the mission field, and hot, sweaty, um, and we were pretty exhausted. So this was this was toward the end of the trip, and the missionaries that were there on site, and this is in Uganda, yeah, uh, Lugazi, they wanted to take us to a special restaurant. And this is like an open-air restaurant, but it's in the rainforest. <laughs> so you know there's going right. to be bugs, there's going to be critters. <laughs> I do remember that detail. One of them was in a rainforest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but it's just this beautiful, beautiful resort 
that's back in there. It's hidden. Mm-hmm. It's it's off the main highway, so you you couldn't see it. Yeah. Um, and you're you're driving back down these windy roads through the woods, and all of a sudden you turn a corner and it opens up, and here's this beautiful resort. Mm. And so you walk in, and all these big timbers that have been um, made to hold up the roof mm. and the inside is just decorated with such plush furniture, and it, it's it's like you almost start to cry because you've been you've been sleeping on mats on the floor, or <laughs> you have no flush toilets, no running water, <laughs> and then you walk into a place like this, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, this is a this five is, star resort. This is a miracle." Is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so oh my gosh, we were so excited and. Um, we went down after after they set everything up, the tables, and uh, we went downstairs and um, sat down and and we're preparing um, to give our order what what we wanted to eat, and they explained to us what was available. Yeah, and all of a sudden, close to where I was, I saw it happen, but it was it was in front of the the girls, which mm-hmm. which was really interesting. <laughs> Because you know how they react. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> a lot more emotional. Uh, yeah, than, for sure. Than, than the way I would react. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's something that came down like from the light fixture, dropped mm. right in the middle of a bowl of butter. And it, it fell into the butter kind of upside down. So it's, it's moving the all around. Legs, and little everywhere. legs and wings and all kinds of stuff. And the girls are screaming. Some of them actually got up and ran out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the one of the fun things that you that happen on missions trips, you almost always have something really unusual like that that mm. will happen. Mm-hmm. And so just after that happened, the the people that were waiting on us came over and took the bowl quickly and disposed of everything and got everything set up. Uh, began to bring the food that was ordered and um you know, I think we had already blessed the food, and we were starting to eat, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we hear this. It's like a woman screaming out in the rainforest, you know, mm. way out there. You can hear it sounds just like someone that's being murdered or something. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's the most, your skin just crawls. Mm. Your, your blood goes cold. You think someone is being killed out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it subsides, and you're kind of looking around at each other, did I really hear that? Is right. that something real? Right. And all of a sudden it does it again. And then, you know, maybe 10, 15 seconds goes by, and then you hear another one over in a different direction. And as we're sitting there, people that work there are just kind of laughing and stuff because they know it's, right. it's some animal that's related to a hippopotamus, but it's very small, and it lives up in the trees. Actually, I, I was going to say I thought I knew what it was, but I, I don't think I do. Once you said it lives in the trees, I'm like, eh, yeah. I don't know. And so it's not like an animal that comes crashing through the woods and yeah. ends up, you know, walking into the restaurant. But it's something small that lives up in the trees. Mm-hmm. And when they start calling back and forth, then they start moving through the trees to get closer to each other. Mm. And, um, I mean, if you if you didn't know what it was... It just shakes you to the core yeah. because it sounds like the most horrible Jeez. murder that's taking oh my place. Gosh, 
But then the, the, the people that are waiting on you come and explain that this is normal. You no, know, this is normal. This is an animal that's, um, it's, it's usual. Um, the location where it can be found in Africa is in these rainforests, yeah. in different areas of Africa, but they're very common. Mm -hmm. And usually you don't hear them this shrill scream. You don't hear it except at night. Oh. And so oftentimes it, it's really unsettling, like to people that want to stay at the resort. Mm -hmm. They could be in their cabins already asleep. And they hear. And all of a sudden they hear this. And That'll definitely wake you up, <laughs> for sure. If you were almost in REM sleep or whatever, like if you're coming right out oh, of that, for sure. Yeah, I, easily. I think you'd jump out of bed. You'd be on your feet wide awake. My gosh, man. But, yeah, there's always That's, funny stuff. What What was another story? Like that, that was just utterly ridiculous. Um, we were we were actually camping along the Amazon River one time, mm -hmm. uh, eighty about eighty miles upriver from uh, Iquitos. Okay, um, and we had taken a barge with uh, that we loaded with well drilling equipment. So we had all our camping gear, and we camped close to the well drilling site, and there the the riverbanks are sand, mm. and they're probably 60 or 80 feet high mm -hmm. uh, above the water level of the river. Um, and, you know, we set up camp. You make sure you zip everything because yeah. you never know what's going to – you could end up with snakes in the tents and Jeez. in your sleeping bags and things like that. And yeah. So none of us had ever been in a camping like that in the – yeah. Um, in a, a rainforest area. Um, so we knew there were things around. We just didn't know what they were. <laughs> and we had set up the well drilling equipment earlier that day, mm -hmm. and we saw the the mayor walk by. Mm. It's a lady that um, she had been voted in as the mayor of this little community. Mm -hmm. It was called uh, Nuevo Esperanza, which is New Hope. <laughs> Like our new hope right down the road here. That's funny. Um, but she also uh, would go out into the jungle and hunt and bring back food that she would serve at the trading post that mm. she owned. Um, and also a lot of the, the native people would go by canoe into the rainforest and pick fruit and mm -hmm. uh, collect little animals that they shoot with bows and arrows and spears and yeah. things like that. And they bring stuff in and exchange it for something they need. Might be maybe corn, yeah, bags of corn or flour or different kinds of things that they might need. Um, so she walked by us as we're preparing the well drilling site and she's got this fish that looks prehistoric. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is probably something we're gonna be eating tonight here. <laughs> In a little while. Um, it looked kind of like a sturgeon. Okay. You know how they have kind of a prehistoric look? I'm not too familiar with yeah. fish breeds and stuff. But cool. I'm, I'm going to Google it after this. Yeah, sure. do. <laughs> um, so this fish looked like a cross between a sturgeon and maybe a catfish. Okay. But instead of having... You know what? Is that the the one? Where it has like a long mouth. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I do know what that one looks yeah, like. They yeah, they are really ugly. Yeah. 
Um, I, Nothing's uglier than the angler fish, though. <laughs> well, that is the absolute ugliest one. True. And and the the fish that looks like it has the face of like an old man. <laughs> Those two fishes are the ugliest ones. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Continue. So this one, instead of fins, it has hooks. Okay. And the the coloring of the fish is is kind of a gray, steely, mm. blue look. So it looks almost like. It is armor-plated hmm. with metal hooks down the sides and then down the back. And hmm. so um, I was sure that's something she was going to fix for us for dinner. And then she also had a an animal that had its head cut off. And we realized as we looked at it a little closer, it was a monkey. Oh. And um, they don't throw the head away. Yeah. They, they use that later uh, to boil so that they can eat the cooked brains. Mm. But I don't think we had any of that that night. <laughs> but we, we did eat the monkey, and okay. we had fish. And so while we're eating a lot of the fresh vegetables, they were wonderful. Yeah. Um, and some of the other things that were prepared for us. Um, I noticed there was a, a buzzing sound. Uh-oh. And I was looking all <laughs> over to see what it was. And... Um, I saw something just fly by out of mm. the corner of my eye, and it landed on the top of a like a, a beam that was yeah. supporting the roof. Yeah. And as I looked at it, the thing was probably about this long. Jeez. Um, and the other guys, I think, had been working so hard during the day. The temperatures were about 115 during the day, and we just we were just exhausted and hungry. Yeah. Um, the other guys were eating and didn't weren't paying attention to it, but the thing flew down and landed right on the shoulder of one of the guys on the team, mm. and he didn't even know it was there mm. initially, and it reminded me of ET, <coughs> only a miniature version. It was mm. it ended up being a praying mantis, oh, that was like big, it was yeah. like jungle size, so yeah, it had a wingspan like this. Yeah, they they can get up. Up there in size, yeah. Some of them, and you know. so, man, I was I was looking at this thing, and I was wondering if the guy would even notice that it was there. And someone eventually pointed out to him that there was this thing on his shoulder. Of course, he looked like this and saw it on his shoulder, and the little head on the thing is turned and looking at him, <laughs> looking all around, and then all of a sudden it flies away. My gosh! And that was that was the last of that. But yeah. then fast forward about four or five years, I was in the northern part of Uganda, yeah. reaching out in the bush. And we just had um, kind of an open air canopy that we were under. Mm -hmm. Same sound. I'm hearing the same sound. Oh. We're standing out there, and the, the pastor had just introduced me to his little congregation, about 30 people. Yeah. And I'm hearing this buzzing sound. <laughs> I'm oh. thinking, man, I wonder if they got praying mantises here. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I, as, as I look up, it's coming, it's coming right at me. I duck, and it goes right past my head, and the people start laughing. <clears throat> and they were kind of following it. It went past me and went kind of around and kind of landed back in one of the bushes, yeah. um, kind of out of sight. And I see a guy at the back that was standing up, kind of a nice-looking guy. Um, I go ahead and start the message after the laughter stops, and we kind of get on to the business of preaching the gospel. But 
I'm paying attention to this guy. This guy walks over behind that bush, and I see the the bush rustle a little bit. And, um, he walks back and stands back at the back, and I see him. He's caught this praying mantis, and he starts breaking off like legs. Oh no! And putting them in his oh, mouth no, and eating. Oh no! 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 <laughs> He ate that oh. whole thing as I'm preaching, and it was. <laughs> My gosh! <laughs> nice little snack. So it was to a get snack. him through the sermon. <clears throat> and you know, last week I didn't tell you this. Last week when I was in Mexico, I had yeah. my first scorpion taco. Mm. Okay, it was the whole scorpion. Wow. They put their little cheese on there, and you know, a little so cho- <laughs> chopped up tomatoes and guacamole. <laughs> On a scale from one to ten, how crunchy was it? The scorpion was pretty crunchy. Okay. <laughs> so there was some crunching going on. But say probably eleven on a scale from one to ten. <laughs> it took a few minutes to get it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine so. Because they they give you the whole scorpion on the taco. Okay. And the taco will be maybe as long as your hand. Okay. But the guacamole kind of offsets the taste. Mm. I, I think if you just had. Just a straight scorpion, it would probably be very bitter and crunchy. But people, See, they they eat what's available. That that's kind of the way things like that work. So, see, I I, I can't <clears throat> wait for the day where I get to go on a mission trip because I haven't been on one. But I'm afraid that my American privilege <laughs> might play a part into it because some of the stories that you and you know, your former employees and stuff have told me, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just, I, I need an allotted amount of grace for it because I just, I don't know. I've never even left the country before. So yeah. I don't, I don't own a passport. I don't know. So, but I just, I, I pray that I'll just have the grace and, and strength to get through that time I, I, because it's for a good cause, you know. It so is. It, yeah. And you know, if, if you're, with a family yeah. that lives overseas. And oftentimes they give you the best that they have, but the best they yeah. have might be. I understand. Um, they may be termites. They may yeah. be uh, carpenter ants. Yeah. Um, different ways to prepare all that stuff. A lot of it is just fried or roasted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes, um, like with, with termites um, or carpenter ants, if they are eating like mango trees, um, then the um, the termite itself, when you eat it, tastes like mango. It'll have kind of a mango taste to it. Oh, they filled up so, on it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, just when that day comes, just just pray for me. You know? I think if if you take the step of obedience and follow. Like if we the Lord just spoke leads about you to go, yeah. At the beginning, look at that full circle. You yeah. see how that came around? Yeah. Okay. Well, but He'll also reward you. You may experience some of these things and have the grace to do it, but He'll also show you and reveal things to you always that you never ever thought you would see. And um, we've seen things like ministering up in northern Canada in the mm-hmm. winter when you take the snowmobile trips up and. You're hundreds of miles from other, like, civilization. You're, you're mm. so far out there. Uh, mm-hmm. The only people that are out there are natives okay. that were born and raised there, and they die there. 
they they never leave those places. But you wow. see the most incredible northern lights. Wow. Um, one night we were um, on the way back from a meeting going to another community, which was about 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. And it was it was late, probably 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And all of a sudden the sky just began to light up. Wow. And it was so amazing. We stopped and we just watched. I mean, there's no one else around. So we, we w- watched from where we were. And as you looked up in the sky, you could see all these different colors coming up from the horizon in every direction, different colors. And as they got up to the top, they began to swirl. And as they swirled, it's like the colors were like paint being mixed into another color. And uh, it went like that for about two hours. And we were so amazed. And the Lord began to speak to me about that. Mm -hmm. And he, he said, Every time you take a step of obedience and go to places that are maybe not the most comfortable, but it's a, it's a real sacrifice. You give up things to go to these places for the purpose of ministering to the people. Mm-hmm. I'll always reward you by showing you things about my creation. Wow. And so I look forward to that every time I, I go on a trip. Yeah. And... He's true. He's faithful to his word. He always shows you something you would never, ever see back right. then. Right, right. Well, that is a word of encouragement for anybody who is considering going out evangelizing or doing missions or whatever the case is. Um, just keep in mind that it's for the greater good, yeah. and God will reward you. For so, sure. Yeah. Well, I would love to keep talking about, like, like I said, you have an infinite amount of different stories that you can tell about <laughs> everything, missions, you know, and all of that. I mean, you've, you've been all over the world, so, like, you have no no uh, stoppage of, of stories. So <laughs> They're there. <laughs> so I, I want to invite you back, you know. I'd I want to do a back. part two, you know, at some point. Hopefully Eric will actually join us this time. Um, and also... You guys who watch this, please um, try to get a hold of Eric and tell him how disappointed you are in him (laughs) and let him know. Um, I'm going to do the same. And, um, yeah, so next time hopefully we'll have Eric and uh, we'll do a a proper episode, you know, (laughs) with the whole ET podcast. We only have half representing today, but whatever. So, um, but, yeah, hopefully we can – Get even more stories on the next part. You know, I will love, um, would love to have you back for I'm sure. Always yeah. ready. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll make it happen. All right, guys. Well, this has been episode 141 of the ET podcast. That has been Pastor Kent. I want to thank you again for joining us. And um, I will catch you guys on the next episode. Um, we, I would say we would catch you guys on an episode, but Eric isn't here. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to say anymore. So signing off. Every day. I mean, every day.